Okay. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy to be with you, as always. I really am. It's such a joy. Yes, it is. So grateful to feel the quickening and to do this work together, to feel so blessed by it. So thank you. Thank you for your willingness. Let's join together in the heart. So grateful and thankful to open ourselves in the heart to live the love and be our true selves. So grateful to give ourselves this opportunity to remember our true nature and our true identity is perfect love. We partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self. And we remember I am that I am and I am one with the I am presence of every being everywhere. So grateful that this is so. So grateful to open ourselves to an unlimited, unprecedented flow of love, activating ourselves with love. Love is our lead, our guide, our safety, and our protection. Love is our abundance. Love is our wealth. Love is our well-being. We're grateful and thankful that we can make this choice. We're grateful and thankful that we can share the benefits with everyone. In this very moment, we open ourselves to an unprecedented, expansive, awakening, healing time together. We consciously give thanks for all that we have learned. We give thanks for all of our teachers, known and unknown. Felt and not felt, seen and not seen, heard and not heard. We open ourselves in great willingness to harvest the learning from all of our experiences. Every learning that we've ever rejected, we're welcoming it home now into our heart and into our mind so that we're no longer repeating the same errors again and again and again, experiencing the same upsets again and again and again. We are willing to choose anew. So grateful and so thankful to dedicate ourselves to this healing. In grace and gratitude, we truly, truly, not only share the benefits with everyone, but we open ourselves to a profound healing. In gratitude, we let it be. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Hmm. Okie dokie. <laughs> So uh, one of the things I'd like to do, I can feel there are some important questions that people have they'd like to ask. So you can definitely ask uh, questions. Sometimes it's great to have a class where we just focus on questions. So anybody who has a question, star two to raise your hand. If you're on the phone and if you're online, as you well know, you can type those in. Uh, and there's a question here. It says, I know you think we are beating a dead horse. 
How do you know that? I'm curious. Um, okay. I didn't know I was thinking that, but there we go. But please do some more chakra teaching before the end of the year. I have really listened to the classes you have, tried to find some online information, and read the Carolyn Mace book in the bookstore, but I still am missing something. Well, doesn't say who wrote this. So I'm I'm happy to do that and I it will help me to have some idea of of what you think you're missing and what you think you have. So um let's um let's uh Let's dialogue about it, if you're willing. I'm happy to discuss that. Now, someone else has written in here, and they say, please don't read aloud in class. Okay, so hang on. Okay. Um, gosh, well, if you're willing to ask that question in class, that's... Uh, I can do that uh, tonight or another time. I say tonight, even though it's 3 o'clock in the afternoon here. <laughs> I know I'm the only one on this. Well, not really. Uh, okay. So nobody's raising their hand. No questions. No questions, or so it seems. Um, Ron, you asked me, I see you there. Ron, you asked me a question in the Sacred Circle about uh, Patricia Cota Robles' book. And I am wondering if you can ask me that question again uh, so I could talk about it in this class. I think the people in this class would be more interested in that answer, more likely to have read Patricia's book, uh, Who Am I? Why Am I Here? So if you uh, would like to do that, you can start to and raise your hand. We have a Akash raising his hand. Hey there. Hello, Jennifer. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Um, Jennifer, I have a question about how I can um, maintain uh, the, the, uh, an, an awareness and uh, sense of partnering up. And the context is, uh, in my new job, I start the day um, well and I'm I'm tuned in, but by the end of the day, uh, I feel like the, the pressures of the job and I'm speeding up and trying to um, work faster and I feel that there's kind of sort of an eclipse by the end of the day where I've, I've lost... Um, uh, mm -hmm my sense of partnering up and I'd really like to know how I can um, learn how to have consistency throughout the day if you have any suggestions on that please. Oh yeah that's such a good question Akash. So one of the first things that comes into my mind is what if you had to stay awake all through the night? Would you be able to do that? <laughs> That's a great question because I do wake up from my dreams uh, regularly um, and I'm 
seeing how I can answer this question, I'm gonna ha- gonna be needing to do a couple of night shifts. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna need to do that. Um, so I think if I really had to, I I could, uh, but it would need a certain another level of willingness. There you there's your me. answer. Yeah, there's really the crux of your answer. So we can go over tools and things that you can do in the day to keep from, in a sense, falling asleep. Mm. You know, falling unconscious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's yeah. really what it is. Is it's it's one of the the most basic fundamental things in really having the breakthrough and consistently living a miraculous life and shifting everything around is cultivating that true willingness that it it, it eclipses willingness and it goes into a passionate desire. So I don't know if you've ever had this feeling, but what began to happen for me was, and I felt it many, many times, uh, still do, reading A Course in Miracles um, or a teaching that feels like it's absolutely direct from the mouth of the Master uh, or it can just be in my own practice, uh, insight that an insight that comes into my awareness where I, I, I move into a space of connection with my higher self where I just say this is all that I desire that this connection be maintained this is all that I desire is to know myself and to know my brothers and sisters as we truly are this is the only thing that's of real value to me and and I'm so sincere and oftentimes when that moment comes, I'm just weeping because I'm so grateful to be in that heart space of this deep desire of my heart is to be in the field of love, awake and aware of love, <clears throat> and completely willing. Because for so long, I was so resistant and so reluctant. And it showed up so often, so painfully. And I felt so remiss and bad and wrong and all of those things. And so it's, it's in, in many ways, it's like anything else. You know, it's... <clears throat> I um it's like anything else. Let's say you were going to make uh I remember one time one of the first gourmet meals I ever cooked was I made a bouillabaisse. And it, as I recall it required many um ingredients that took some effort to find. And um I I made that effort because I truly wished to make an excellent bouillabaisse. And I was excited by it, and I I wished to share that bouillabaisse with my family. I think I was maybe 15 or 16 years old, and um, so I I did whatever it took to get those ingredients. Mm. You know, and um, there have been many times in my life, as I'm sure there has been in yours, when it wasn't easy for you to follow through and keep your commitments 
and uh, do what needs doing, as Venerable says, but you did it. You found the reserves and the resolves within you to go that extra mile. You know, there's that saying, um, and I don't know if it's a saying, or but uh, Wayne Dyer um, did a series, and actually, I think it was just a, a recording, and I, I was actually there at the retreat where he recorded it, where it, and it was called "It's Never Crowded Along the Extra Mile." Uh, oh. Yeah. Now, I, I wouldn't make a, an, an, a negative affirmation like that because it's never crowded. Well, I, I like to think, well, it's it's becoming more and more crowded on the extra mile, and um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so, um, but um, but it's true. There are a lot of people who fall out when it comes to going that extra mile. So the thing is, this is the key. So we can give you lots of tips and tools, but this is the key, Akash, okay. yeah. is you have to find within yourself that desire that causes you to make the decision to stay awake, to stay attentive, to not go unconscious. Mm. Okay, yes. Well, from what you've uh, been sharing and teaching just now, I think what I'm hearing the, the clearest is to really recognize what it is that I value mm-hmm. um, and to just settle in settle into that really deeply um that that's how i understand what you're saying and um it's very helpful what you said thank you very much well and 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 let's go what i'm glad and let's go a couple steps further because this this applies to all of us believe me and Mm. i'm talking to myself here too so in a course of miracles it says all temptation is of the body Mm. It doesn't say some of the temptation is of the body. It says all temptation is of the body. And so what does that mean? It's the temptation to disconnect from the loving presence that we are, to disconnect from being awake. All the temptation is in the body. So... I know I can speak for myself and say when there's that kind of temptation, it's often I'm feeling I'm tired. I'd like Mm. to disconnect from being awake. And Regina Dawn Akers and I, we had a conversation about this in my radio show early in the year. And um, where we were both saying, you know, that we, we, we work, we love our work. We've had many conversations about this. We love our work. We work long days. We put a lot into it. You know, we're we're not punching a clock, and we don't have a boss looking over us. So we're working for the joy of it. And there are just so many uh, little administrative things to do, you know, uh, just uh, so many things. And then there's preparation, and there's writing. There's just so many things to do. And so after 10 hours of 
mostly focusing on that. Of course, we take breaks and things. Uh, but then it's, it's, there is a, a, a temptation to say, I've had enough of being in this world today. I've had enough of working it in density. And I think I just like to be entertained now. I just like to sit and watch the sky and be entertained by the sky. I think mm. I just like to sit and listen to some music or watch a movie or or just go for a swim and, and not be thinking anymore, not be contemplating, not be feeling my own feelings and other people's feelings. I would like to tune out. So mm -hmm. you see the contrast, and we all experience this, I think, you know, the contrast of there's a deep, passionate desire in our heart, and we know that the way to fulfillment is not to tune out. Mm. No, we've, we've discovered that tuning out leads to pain and suffering. Mm. And yet, there, there's hardly a day that goes by that there aren't moments in the day for I think many people who even, you know, are very advanced spiritual students when the thought is just, you know, I just like to focus on this muffin right now. And mm -hmm. the, the enjoyment, eating this muffin, and the contrast of that with sipping this coffee or something like that. Mm -hmm. Do you know, just being able to enjoy that physical pleasure. And tune out from the thinking, 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 observing, observing, observing. So, and when we're in an environment, as your new job is, where there's lots of things going on all at once, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. And you're in a new job, so it's so many new things all at once. Mm -hmm. So much new, right? Yes. It's, relentless. <laughs> yeah, relentless, right? You're in a, you're in a very active environment so the thing is is it's very easy in situations like that to slip into managing and coping mm. right i'm just going to get yeah. through this just doing the best yeah. i can yep yeah, yeah and it, similarly when let's say um someone is uh comes home from work and they have kids and family and stuff like that. And it's all very familiar. It's not necessarily new at all. But it's lots and lots of activity. You've already had lots and lots of activity. And the, the, what people can do, and we can do this driving in the car and all kinds of places, where we just we we take our attention and we zone out. So, yes, I'm with the family, I'm with the children, I'm with all the activities there, and but I'm not really present. So we can do that at home in in environments we're very comfortable in as well as in, you know, an airport that we've never been in before. And so it's about becoming mindful of what is it that's actually triggering that impetus, that temptation to disconnect, to zone out, yes. to become less present. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, so this is, I'd like to invite, 
Yes, I'd like to invite uh, uh, anyone else who would like to get in on this conversation because I think it's very helpful. Anybody else have this temptation to zone out, to disconnect in their workday, after work, with their family, in any other situations? Anybody else? All right, we've got Rob here raising his hand. Okay, Rob. I'm leaving you on. Hey there. Um, so, yes, I can relate to what Akash is saying uh, because, you know, when you just using my example of when I'm knocking on doors and you get no, like, 95% of the time, more like 98% of the time, and you have to... I need, I always need to need to remind myself to keep on going and I found that you know when I put in the extra the extra effort like they used to say on we used to have a weekly conference call um by the national canvassing director would say hey when you think you're done just do five more doors you know um and I've literally found that when I do Whatever you know, when I do, when I put in, put in, put in the effort, it um, a lot of times it does. Oh, yeah, some sometimes it doesn't. I was in, you know, well, I don't want to go into a whole big long story, okay. but I found that yeah, I'll show you the details. But so I'm learning to be shorter and say less with more words, but. Um, but uh, long story short is that, yeah, when I put in more, when mm-hmm. I, when I, when I, when I, when I'm more willing, when I'm more mm-hmm. passionate, when I, whatever, it works. It works. It works for me more. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, Thank you. I, yeah, and and I've also found that you know that if people, um, you know. If people are interested, they're interested. They might have some questions, but for the most part, they've made up. They made up their minds whether they want to go solar or not. And I and I just have to be at peace with that. And and uh, and and then um, and then let them be. I mean, they want to. They they want to pay more money. I'm okay with that. And I literally tell them that. Right. Tell them, I have to be okay with that. Otherwise, otherwise it drives me cuckoo. Right. So good, good for you, Rob. So thank you. Oh, and you. by the way, yeah, yeah, I'm number one on my team in terms of hours per lead. There's a, there's like how many hours it takes to produce each lead. Um, as of Friday, I was number one on my team. So. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> nice. So. All right. So, what are the, anybody else want to join in on this conversation? Anybody else find themselves disconnecting, wanting to disconnect, or losing their sense of presence throughout their day? All right. Got uh, Deborah here. Hey, Deborah. Can't hear you yet, Deborah. 
There. Better? Much better. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I have noticed the same thing that Akash is talking about. I start out good, connected, and then as the day goes on, because it is so full and active, it's just, I never quite put it into the managing and coping, but that's what happens. It's just, you know, piece by piece. You forget to breathe, you forget to ask for help, you forget to do some simple practices. Yeah. And, um, especially this month with the new, all the new information with ICD-9 and ICD-10 in healthcare, mm-hmm. because it's totally overwhelming the amount of new information that we have to learn. And so it makes sense. I'm glad that he asked that question. Yeah, exactly. And we get, it is it is part of our human experience this experience of contrast that i'm always talking about that we experience feeling overwhelmed one of the things i know about my own experience of feeling overwhelmed is if i'm focused in my spirit and that connection of oneness and feeling fully funded, fully fueled, fully fully supported by the higher Holy Spirit self, I don't get overwhelmed. But if I think I'm on my own, which of course is an ego perspective, it's easy to get overwhelmed. Now, the other thing is that I'd like to say is that, and Deborah, you can self-mute just on your handset there. I think you've got a little bit of, um, or actually, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to, yeah, there we go. Um, I think what I will do is I will mute you, Akash is muted, and I'm just going to lower your hands, and if you would like to raise your hand again, feel free. Um, in environments where there's a lot going on, noises, energy, and uh, lots of Bluetooth waves, and EMFs, and uh, lots of activity lots of traffic and things like that, it is something that we will notice. It feels like it impinges upon our human experience. And for me, what I've learned to do in terms of making every day, my whole day, a spiritual practice day, is that when because there are definitely times when I go into situations where there's a lot of activity. And, uh, for instance, one of the reasons I don't like to travel very much, which I know seems incongruous with my life, but one of the reasons why I don't like to travel very much is in the traveling, going on planes and things like that, 
uh, being in airports is there are a lot of people in those places who are frightened and who are upset. There are many people who are traveling to and from funerals, to and from difficult business meetings and difficult uh, personal meetings, seeing loved ones in the hospital and knowing they're not going to see them again. And there are I notice uh, when I'm on planes particularly, there are people who will start drinking at 7 o'clock in the morning, sometimes even, er you know, just depends on how early. I mean, as soon as they bring that drink card out, even on a 5.45 a.m. flight, there are people ordering cocktails. And um, not judging that, but just if their self-medication program begins that early in the day, you know, you can imagine what their energy is like. I'm very empathic. So it's not that their energy can uh, influence me in my choices, unless, of course, I let it. But it still is something that I'm present to because of being empathic, because of being compassionate. So when I am in those environments, and this can really help you, Akash, this is kind of what I was talking about in my story about the restaurant last week, and that is that it becomes an opportunity to be a lighthouse and to know that you don't have to make the light. You just allow the light to shine as you. And so that practice has strengthened me. So it's going into each situation and being really clear, why am I here? I am here to be truly helpful. I am here to shine the light of love. I'm not here to get something. I'm here to be myself, my true self. And keep going. when I keep going back to that, then I literally find myself energetically rising, in a sense, high above the fray, high above the fray. And um, I don't know if you've ever read Dr. Hawkins' book, Power Versus Force. I read it a long time ago, 20 years ago, and so, or, you know, a long time ago. And I, I don't really remember a lot of it. A couple of things I can tell you I remember about it. If you all, if you have any inkling what kinesiology is, or even if you don't, that first 50 pages is very boring. A lot of people stop reading that book because the first 50 pages is such a detailed scientific description and it just bores the heck out of people. But if you skip past that first 50 pages and you read the rest of it, one of the things he talks about in there, and I forget the exact numbers, maybe somebody else knows them, but um, for instance, someone with a consciousness of Jesus, uh, the Christ, fully embodied, uh, can literally raise the vibration and the consciousness of millions of people. B 
billions of people, everyone on the planet. And we can all lift everyone because we're all one. And so what he talks about in there is he talks about numbers in terms of a person of this level of consciousness can counterbalance, you know, a hundred thousand people at this lower level of consciousness. So <clears throat> for me, what I realized was after reading that book, I thought, oh, so I'm going to set my aspiration that I can enter a room, perhaps, or a store, or any kind of situation, and if there are people who are upset there, that just by my walking in that room, my state of peace and harmony and balance can requalify everyone in the room, and I don't have to say or do anything that anyone would notice. I don't have to say or do anything that anyone would notice. I can silently be the presence. And I just fell in love with that idea of myself. And I know why it attracted me so much is because that's the opportunity we all have. And so it's that difference between walking into every conversation, every meeting, everything, even if you think you're there to get something. Like I'm going to go to the chiropractor later, but not walking in there thinking he's going to give me something, but it's I'm there to be the light. He's there to do what he's there to do, but I'm there to be the light. I walk into the Starbucks, I'm there to be the light. And may I have some espresso, please, you know? So it's about moving into that space. And that's what I did in that restaurant. That's what really turned that on for me. And that experience that whole summer of just being of service, being of service, being of service. And it's wonderful. And it's, you know, a lot of times I'm not a mom, but a lot of times I've had the responsibility of caring for children. And there's one way of caring for children when you think you have to take care of them and you have to be responsible for them and you have to make sure they do what's right and don't do what's wrong. There's that kind of an approach. But then there's the approach of I'm there simply to love them. And so sometimes loving them means letting them discover that if they do that, um, the thing is going to break. If they do that, they might fall down. If they do that, um, something that they don't see could happen. But they're going to have their own learning of it. I don't have to tell them everything and preempt their learning by giving it to them. You can't really teach a child by explaining everything in the world to them. They need to uh, play in the mud and get themselves dirty and um, they need to discover that, oh, if you, do, if you mix this with this, two delicious things no longer taste good or whatever it is that they're experimenting with. And yes, they might in a sense, waste a whole bowl of something. But, you know, 
then they know. They know that now. They learned that. Is that a waste? I don't think it's a waste. So moving into a space of I'm here to be a beneficial presence. I'm here to be truly helpful. And living in that moment of being guided what to say and what to do. And um, especially in a very active environment like you're in, Akash, it's a deep practice to stay attuned. So you're you're wise to ask, how do I do that? And the greatest tool you have is your desire to not disconnect. And one of the other things is is to connect with each person in an authentic way. And that that's a learning. And I'm sure you know a lot about that, too, as a massage therapist. It's a learning because I used to connect with people uh, empathically, and one of the ways that I would literally connect with people uh, in order to relate to them better was I would empathically tune into them to feel their feelings so that I could understand them and have compassion for them. But then I realized, oh, if I'm feeling their feelings and they're feeling miserable and afraid and unworthy and um, depraved or anything like that, and I start feeling that too, then it's not helpful to them. So I learned how to be able to observe what they were feeling without taking it on, without becoming empathically entrained with it, and instead to project the love of God so they could become entrained with my loving heart. So this is another skill that we can learn. And we notice as we go throughout our days that people will challenge us they i mean inevitably people will come up to us to say to say i have a problem my life sucks this is terrible and i'm never going to be happy and uh, they they want <clears throat> agreement that life sucks and that things aren't good and that they have problems and they believe that our agreement with them is going to make them feel better Right, And as we're doing this work, we realize, oh, that's not true at all. That's actually going to be unhelpful to them. And they can find it very challenging if we don't wish to agree with them, especially if we're actually thinking they're wrong, rather than just having compassion for how they are feeling. If we're thinking they're wrong, then that becomes a whole nother thing, because that's a whole curriculum that lightworkers pretty much all have to go through, I sure have gone through it myself, where we develop an aversion to people who are really in, in, uh, enmeshed in the stinking thinking. Because it's almost like it's contagious. Oh, I used to have the stinking thinking. I don't have it anymore. It's like if you were a drunk and you stopped drinking, and you then, and I, you know, I'm, I, I use these words for emphasis, okay? So if you're someone who's drinking, drinking heavily, and all your friends are your drinking buddies, and you decide, oh, I'm going to sober up, I'm not going to drink anymore, chances are 
you're not going to go out with your drinking buddies and hang out at the bar while they get drunk and you are sipping your club soda. Chances are. And why is that? Because there's that sense of, uh, I don't want to fall back into that, so I need to stay away from that. And it can become an aversion, which it's just all part of the healing of our own mind's judgments against ourselves. So a lot of times when we're in an environment with lots of people and people are displaying the kinds of thinking that we're no longer interested in, we can get triggered with with judging them, fearing their thought process, feeling like, oh, I don't want to pick that up again. I had that virus. I don't want to have the stinky thinking virus again. So the the way to really stay present is to be mindful. And by the way the fastest way to be mindful is to think loving thoughts, to be consistently searching for what is the loving thought I can energize right now. How can I be compassionate with myself and others right now? And being compassionate with someone else is being compassionate with ourselves. Carol has been patiently waiting here with her raised hand. So, hey, Carol. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Uh, my example was it was pretty recent, so those are a little easier examples of getting overwhelmed and all that. I was at, at church yesterday where I had a lot of stuff to do, sound check, usher, book room, a lot of questions coming at me, and I'd done a lot in the book room. And somebody comes in, I said, "Well, did you have a question?" She goes, "No, I just wanted to say hi." <laughs> I wasn't present, right? I was like, "Oh, you only want to say hi, you know?" Yeah. <laughs> so that was my recent example, and I could tell I had let gotten out of the moment and gotten stressed, right? Gotten yeah, the ego, yeah, ego stress instead of being present. Yeah, you know, and that kind of thing happens to me frequently, Carol, because um, it's pretty common, especially if I'm leading a retreat or doing workshops and things like that, that two minutes before we're starting and there's some little technical thing and some other thing about uh, what comes next and people are asking these kinds of questions and then someone I dearly love will come up and say, oh, I just like to say hi and give you a hug. And so all these things are happening at once and mentally I'm, I'm interested in just being whoosh, coming totally in focus for I'm going to be speaking in two minutes or leading the group in two minutes. And uh, and there have definitely been times when the technology went all kaplooey and um, people have 14 questions about what's what's going to be for dinner and when, when, you know, what time is dinner. And I'm like, uh, gosh, uh, no, nobody's present with, what can seriously it happens to me nobody's present with uh or so it seems very few people are present with how can i support jennifer she's about to be speaking they're just thinking i just i need to know what time is dinner you know or they're yeah. they're they're you know i say okay let's go into prayer and that's when the person says i'm going to unwrap my granola bar now and start eating it while she's <laughs> praying and i i'm you know i've just had so many 
I mean, so many countless of these experiences. Um, and of course, as a speaker, you have them where uh, people, you're speaking, and people just get up, and they look at you, and they turn and walk out the room. You know, it's like, and Michael Beckwith used to talk about how that would be so upsetting to him. <laughs> and it it doesn't upset me, because I don't take it personally. It's not meant personally. And um, But yes, there are just all these things that happen throughout the day. It's such a good example. Um, your mind is focused on one thing. And, you know, especially I notice, um, you know, one of the main differences between someone who's very feminine and someone who's very masculine is, or when we're in our masculine versus being in our feminine, being in our feminine, we can be in that gatherer mode where, you know, the gatherer, if you think of caveman times, cavewoman times, the gatherer, she's able to, that gatherer feminine person is able to be watching the children, looking out for predators, talking with friends, and also picking the berries and noticing which ones are ripe and which ones aren't, and also thinking about how to cook dinner later. I mean, all these different kinds of tasks all at once. And um, I'm definitely thinking about that hot guy she saw wondering what's happening with him no I just threw that in for fun but um (laughs) whereas and I I joke that if um if the feminine had to go hunt the deer it would be um the 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 community would starve because the masculine has this ability to be single focused totally focused and so what I hear is that you were in that masculine single focus mode and uh, most of us learn that if someone, particularly if a man is in that masculine single focus mode, just leave them alone till they finish, <laughs> right? <Yeah. laughs> just let them, let them focus till they finish. Yeah, and so, um, yeah, this is all just part of being human. Um, but that's a really good example. That's a really Thank good you. example, yeah. And... Uh, I'll also say that, uh, just going on with the, you, you might have heard me say this, because it just makes me laugh, If and I especially noticed this with my girlfriends, like if we had to hunt the deer, and so we set out, and we were sitting in the tall grass waiting for the deer to come by, the deer... While we were waiting for the deer to come by, I just know we'd be we'd be saying to each other, so let me just tell you this one thing, okay? You're not going to believe what he did last night. It was the cutest thing. And I, I just, he, this is the sweetest man in the whole world and blah, 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 blah. And we'd be talking with each other and the, the whole herd of deer would come by and we'd be like, yeah, yeah, we'll get the deer later. This is much more important. Let's just talk about our feelings. Uh, so that's why it's really great that the, the single focus masculine can stay focused on the deer and to bring the deer home, and then they'll be talking. But uh, the feminine, she is a better multitasker. And, of course, men uh, can definitely be the feminine person in in their life and have a masculine partner who's either masculine or feminine, I mean male or female. And so we we switch back and forth in our masculine and feminine 
there are definitely times when I'm so single focused. I'm totally in that masculine hunting the deer mode. All right. Well, I do. Th anybody else have a question? Star two to raise your hand. And I'm just checking in the written questions here. Um, well, Sheila asked a question about the elementals. Oh, Ron's at raising his hand. Oh, great. Ron, I thought, hey, Ron. Hey, Jennifer, how are you? I'm good. You know, I was thinking about reading those two pages and then um, talking about them. How does that sound? Uh, we we can we can do that. I was just going to comment that, uh, as with a lot of questions, sometimes uh, as you read further in a book, it sheds a little more light on on uh, what they're saying. Uh, uh, just like the Course of Miracles does to some degree. Mm -hmm. um, so I haven't quite you know the, the name of the book is uh, uh, um, Who Am I and Why Am I Here? Mm -hmm. I think it is the is the title of the book. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll be glad to uh, to get and read those read those couple pages, uh, but um, you know, having a, starting to get a little bit different perspective as I'm getting deeper and deeper into the into the book. Are you liking it? Well, it's it's um, I am uh, from the standpoint that it's challenging me again just to make sure and be open and not have a set set of box myself in with a set of beliefs or opinions. Mm -hmm. uh, because the Course in Miracles kind of, you know, clearly opened me up from my more right-wing uh, uh, religious past and upbringing, uh, and then helped me kind of develop a, a, very, a, a certain kind of uh, point of view or, or, or philosophy as it related to uh, um, to kind of the whole separation and um, and Patricia Cutter-Robles. Uh, it does. You know, she's coming from a place I've never heard before, and I find it uh, uh, different on, on one level, uh, intriguing on another level. Uh, and so, uh, um, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting until I finish reading and see what Spirit kind of says to me, guys. And maybe this is my next, uh, you know, pro progressive step in, in, in my learning. Uh, maybe it's not. I'm not quite sure yet. <laughs> but I'm open. I'm open and I'm interested and willing. I hear you. Well, I can. It's two pages. I can read it. I've got it right here, right now. Okay. Uh, yeah, because the, the, the book's in the other room. Okay. Far so away. I, I will uh, do that. I'm going to lower your hand, and if you want to raise your hand afterwards and talk about it some more, please do. Okay. All right. So. So we're talking about uh, Patricia Cota Robles' book, Who Am I? Why Am I Here? And this is, she entitles, it's uh, chapter one, the first couple pages, page nine and ten. She entitles it, A Personal Sharing. She says, the beings of light have revealed to humanity that the greatest privilege and honor of any evolving soul in any dimension is physical embodiment on planet Earth during this cosmic moment. That is because we are going through an experiment that has never been attempted in any system of worlds. If we succeed God victoriously, we will create a new level of Godhood that will enhance the learning experiences of every son and daughter of God throughout the whole of creation. <clears throat> 
This is why, for the first time ever, the entire universe is focused on the progress of one tiny planet. Now, she also says, let's see, this was written... Twenty ten it was published, so it was probably written a year or two before then. And she says, Now we have succeeded. So just that's the most recent thing she has said. She goes on to say, Earth's experiment is being carefully orchestrated through the unified efforts of the God selves of every person on Earth and the entire company of heaven. Nothing is being left to chance, and we are receiving the maximum assistance from the company of heaven that cosmic law will allow and you probably notice that in many ways it is getting easier to stay focused on choosing love of course because of your practice but also because of your willingness you're opening yourself to receive more of that support she goes on to say in previous lifetimes prior to embodiment we would each be shown a panorama of the possible learning experiences we could go through, as well as the karmic liabilities for which we need to make restitution. From that plethora of information, we would choose what we were willing to experience in our upcoming lifetime. Now, I'm going to say here, I don't think I would choose the word restitution. I think I would say bring it into balance. And the balance of the karma is simply to learn and have compassion for ourselves for the choice we made. So then we create an experience in a subsequent lifetime to give us that experience to discover the compassion for the choices that we made and the decisions we made in a previous lifetime by having a mirror-like experience. She says, after the fall, we often, and the fall is when there, there was, as I understand it, a time in our human experience when we closed our hearts and <clears throat> we decided to move into <laughs> it's interesting when my voice. <clears throat> hmm. That's interesting. So I'm just feeling that. Wow. Do you see how that came up? Hmm. I think a lot of people are processing something. I'm going to just drink some water here. Hmm. Seeing that throat chakra. It's about speaking truth. And this isn't something that I uh, teach on in, in this way in terms of the fall. Uh, but um, we had a point in human history as part of our experience of karma and our experience of light expression in this 3D human experience, and that's what this is all about, is we decided to experience the effects of judgment, of, you could say, good and evil, eating of the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, moving into that space of really saying this is better and this is worse. We decided to have this experience of separation in order to better understand 
the oneness. We decided to have an experience of bringing things into form through our thoughts in order to better know ourselves as God. And we got uh, really into the muck and mire of the karmic system and where it became so painful to experience the karma that we collectively chose to shut our hearts so we wouldn't feel the pain. And now is the time of our heart opening. So we have experienced this incredible range over many, many, many lifetimes. And now we're coming back into our hearts. So that was the fall when we chose to move into that place of intense separation. So after the fall, we often chose the most challenging opportunities so that we could clean up our past mistakes very quickly and move forward in the schoolroom of Earth at an accelerated pace. In making that decision, we would say something like, I'm going to take on as much as I can in this lifetime so that I will learn my lessons quickly and clear up as much of my negative karma as possible. If I succeed, great. If I do not succeed, I will have another opportunity in a future life to complete this learning experience. Now everything has changed. The earth and all her life are dependent on the success of this experiment. In this lifetime, no one... I repeat, no one has been allowed to volunteer to fulfill a facet of this divine plan that he or she has not already successfully accomplished in some other time frame or dimension. We do not have time to try again in a future lifetime. This is it. Our entire solar system is waiting for the earth to catch up so that we can ascend with them into the fifth dimension. In this lifetime, the earth and all her life are hanging in the balance. If this experiment fails, we will be left behind. We must succeed. Now again, Patricia did say in her perception we've succeeded, and that's how it feels to me too. Now what would left behind mean? Well, it would be, to, in my understanding, it would be, experiencing density in another way and kind of starting over again. So it says here, the good news is that this means every single one of us has the ability to achieve whatever it is we volunteer to accomplish in this lifetime. No matter how colossal or complex the mission is that we volunteered for, we already have within us everything we need to succeed. This is true regardless of how inadequate or unprepared we may feel through the perception of our fragmented, fear-based human egos. The reality is we have all the strength, wisdom, knowledge, skill, courage, and willingness to be God-victorious. If that were not the case, we would not have been allowed to embody on earth at this time. Because of the need of the hour, each of us volunteered to be born into circumstances that would serve as a catalyst to help us awaken quickly. The catalysts we have chosen are probably as diverse as the people on the planet. But I would like to share with you a little bit about my personal experience. 
So then she goes on to say that um, she was born into uh, a dysfunctional family where her father was, uh, some would term, a raging alcoholic and, um, uh, I believe, bipolar. And um, if we want to give things labels. Now, um, I don't, particularly in year one of Masterful Living, teach that much about these kinds of cosmic things because there are a number of people who come into Masterful Living that do not share the worldview I have on uh, karma and even the oneness of all life uh, or that um, we're one with Jesus versus uh, thinking that he is God and we are not God. And so I teach what I know to be true and I focus on the main thing that Masterful Living is about, which is about building momentum in our personal healing and purification. And it's about recognizing that awakening requires strengthening the relationship with the higher self in order to burn away the attachments to the lower self, the selfish self, the false self of the personality. And so that we can remember and recognize that we're already perfect. Be perfect even as your Father in Heaven is perfect. And that we do this through an offering practice. We're offering prayers. We're offering kindness and compassion. We're offering tithes. And we're making offerings of our attachments, the cravings, the aversions, the addictive compulsive tendencies. And we're focused on purification. So we're making offerings of expectations, offerings of false beliefs, and offerings of our willingness all day long in order to build this momentum. So, uh, one, and the reason why it's a year-long class is it, it takes a tremendous effort to build momentum. And so by doing it together, it's uh, just so much easier and uh, that we don't give up. We don't give up because we move through cycles, high tide, low tide, and uh, the tide is coming in, the tide is going out. That's the learning through contrast. And so with a basic practice of practicing non-judgment and practicing prayers of purification and a willingness to connect with the higher Holy Spirit self, We truly are healed and transformed. And the more willingness we have, the more heart desire we have to be our true self and to recognize the true self of our brothers and sisters, the faster it happens. And this is why I have everybody read that development of trust section in the Manual for Teachers so that we can move into a speed healing and where it doesn't have to be painful and difficult. So um, I do believe that we uh, have made the necessary lift in the collective consciousness that we are moving into a collective um, shift Uh, The earth is uh, moving into being a fifth-dimensional being. 
And uh, many of us are, and we feel it. We feel the quickening happening, and we're all going to get there. We're all going to get there. That is what I truly know. We're all going to get there. And I also know we're all already there. And getting there in density is that recognition that we're already there. We're already as holy as holy can be. And the whole focus of our work in Masterful Living is really giving up the idea that we're not. Giving up the idea that we're not. So, Ron, did you have follow-up questions? And does anybody else? Star two. Okay, Ron. Uh, you know, we're, we're probably not, Jennifer, at this point. Like I say, it's, it's just something that's kind of new to me as far as uh, the uh, this particular perspective mm-hmm. uh, of uh, of uh, of the fallen. But what's happening here? You know, I do believe as a you know as a um, as a race of people that we we all being all i guess to me the biggest thing us all being one how can one holographic uh part of the one be left behind um i guess is my only question because it seems to open the door that well you know not everyone might make it uh, you know, there's, uh, this, you know, somebody get bogged down and not be able to quite make that, make that transition. Uh, well, and I guess that, I guess, I guess that was, that was my, I guess the crux of, of, of my, of my question before. That is an excellent, excellent question. I am so glad you asked that. So in our human experience, we can have the experience, I've certainly had it, where the train is leaving and, oh, you didn't get on it. And so now you find an alternate route. Um, It's kind of like that. So it's, it's that we, we would find an alternate route. Yeah. That's my, all, 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 all routes or all routes. And, uh, uh, at the same place, maybe not the same perceived time, yeah, and, and human element, but, but but all but everybody else. I mean, everybody ends up in the same place uh, at the at the end. I mean, at least that's kind of my belief. Right, and so, um, for instance, uh, Sheila was asking a question in the Q and A about the elementals. And uh, wanting to understand about the elementals. So there's the elements, fire, water, etc. And there's the elemental beings. There's uh, we have a body elemental. So uh, the body and elemental is literally like an angelic being that travels with us through every single lifetime, every single incarnation, and is partnered with us to express in the physical realm. And they're in charge of our physical body. And they're in charge of manifesting according to our thinking. Now, most of us aren't aware 
consciously that we have an elemental body and we're getting signals from the higher self from the elemental body uh we can't always discern what it is about the best way to treat the body and how often do we actually listen right i started writing a health blog on fridays because here in Kauai and with my back injury i'm having a whole another heightened experience uh, also, because my mind is opening up all the time of listening to literally listening to the body elemental and what what will serve in terms of the activities that I'm choosing and what I'm drinking, what I'm eating, all these different things, whether or not I go swimming or I rest or go for a walk or whatever it is that I'm doing. So... um and then there's the elementals that expresses everything in the world uh, that we see in the world of form. So without the elementals agreeing to take form according to our mind, our collective, and our individual thoughts, there wouldn't, it wouldn't be possible for our thoughts to be projected into form. So there's this collective and there's this incredible, like that's the thing is everything is in this field of love. And so, yes, it's an illusion. Our identity in God is perfect, whole and complete and always will be. And the same is true for the elementals. So their consciousness expressing as a leaf, a flower, a rock, a drop of water, etc. And, um, uh, in let's see let me just think for a second sometimes i think where was i when i did the class regina and i did regina dawn acres and i did a class in living a course of miracles last fall last october i believe it was and she was talking in there where she had an experience of having that fifth dimensional awareness for two weeks while she was traveling i think she was in china maybe with her daughter, and um, she remembers things like feeling the consciousness of the apple and feeling the apple's joy related to her eating it. And she remembers hearing the towel, I know this might sound crazy to some people, but hearing the towel rack talking to her, connecting and communicating with her. I had just at that time, I haven't had that same experience of several weeks of that heightened awareness like Regina was talking about.
All right, well then, some of you have a great opportunity. My Skype just dropped off. I swapped to my cell phone, so give me one second here. Okay, well, it's in the Masterful Living videos on the video page. So you can go in and you can watch that movie. It's called Water the Great Mystery. Water colon the Great Mystery. You can also find it at YouTube. And you can get it uh, as a DVD at Netflix if you have Netflix. Highly, highly recommend that movie. I, I For the the couple of you that have watched it, I'm going to lower your hands. Would anybody say that you recommend it? Did you like it? Star two again to raise your hand if you'd like to make a comment on having seen the movie. Moira, okay. Hey there. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Hey. Um. <laughs> I'm, I've trained in um, science and uh, I love it, you know, when science meets spiritual experience. And the water movie is one of those examples. You know, it shows us, um, you know, these the scientific experiments and also the photographs. And um, one can only trust and assume that, you know, those studies were done truthfully. And honestly, um, and yeah, it, it's just beautiful to see evidence of spiritual truth. You know, that love is the highest vibration of all as manifested by the arrangement of the um, water crystals. You know, their molecular framework um, becomes highest and most symmetrical and most beautiful when arranged with the vibration of love. Yes. This is one of the, yes, this is, if you, um, thank you, Moira. Uh, I really appreciate your sharing. And uh, I'm just going to mute you out here because we're coming, we're at time. And um, I, I would like to say, if you notice, uh the indigenous people in most cultures have a great appreciation water um and a lot of us have 
very little appreciation for water. We've never had to walk miles to get clean, fresh water. So we have a different understanding of water. I encourage you to consider praying while you're in the shower or the bath. Uh, making prayers in the bath is a deeply healing practice. I love doing that. Water has memory. And there's such a thing as new water and old water. And uh, that movie talks about it. It's a wonderful movie. It's, it's, it has Nobel Prize sent, uh, scientists and all kinds of um, data. And uh, and it's, it's quite a good film. I've seen it a number of times and shown it to different people, and they all appreciate it. Um, another movie that's deeply moving that I would just like to know if people have seen it is Doing Time, Doing Vipassana. Did you see that movie? It's in your movies on your movie page in the Masterful Living class section online. Star 2, if you've seen Doing Time, Doing Vipassana, that movie. Okay, great. Thank you. And um, it's it's a deeply, uh, I'm not going to ask anyone to comment right now, but it's a deeply moving movie. I, I can't, I've seen it a number of times. It always makes me weep. And uh, so I highly, these are movies, I think they're a treat, an absolute treat to watch these movies. So um, the links to both of them, to be able to watch them, uh is are in your video page, um, Masterful Living. Check out that video page. I really encourage you to watch all the videos there and make, make use of that. Uh, it's there for a reason. It's part of your curriculum for a reason. So, hmm. So we're all making this journey uh, with the elementals and every part of life. And everything in this world is literally supporting us, especially Mother Earth. And we're all one. We are not separate. We're making this journey together. And I'm not sure if I, if you have any more questions, Ron, but I, I would like to know if you do. I think you self-muted. There you are. Yep, you're unmuted. Okay, I'm muted. You can hear me now? Yes. No, I'm, go I'm good. I'm okay. Good. But thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you that. Yeah, you're so welcome. So um, uh, I've had, you know, one of the things about the elementals, the beings that actually take form, the flowers, the trees, the rocks, and everything that we see in this world, um, when you think about their commitment, their dedication, their willingness to be of service by <clears throat> unquestionably, unquestioningly taking form according to our thoughts. The weather patterns are related. I could go on and on about that. And let's stay focused on our own life and the weather patterns in our family, in our workplace, and in these kinds of things. Hmm. So I'm going to pray and then play a song.
I invite you to watch these movies and uh, do come with any specific questions about the chakras. If you haven't read Carolyn's book, Anatomy of the Spirit, I encourage you to dive in. It was the first thing I read of hers. I think it's her best book, actually, in terms of writing. And uh, all right. So let's join together in the heart, gratefully and thankfully, saying yes to the unlimited flow of love, the unprecedented flow of love and insight and clarity and freedom and joy that we are choosing right now. We're truly opening ourselves even more to the higher Holy Spirit self and claiming our healing. We are willing. We are grateful. We're harvesting the learning from all of our choices and we're rising up in love to bear witness to the glory of God that we already are. In grace and gratitude we share the benefits with everyone and we let it be and so it is. Amen. 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 And the song I am choosing today is one, it's called Try, and it's by Colby Calais. At least, I'm not sure how she pronounces her name, but uh, I heard this song on the radio, and I just thought, oh, this is a great song for us. So I trust you will enjoy it as I have. Try by Colby Calais. I'm going to spell her last name in case you go looking for the song. It's C-A-I-L-L-A-T. Colby is C-O-L-B-I-E. And here we go. Put your makeup on, get your nails done, curl your hair, run the extra mile, keep it slim, so they like you, so they like you. Get your sexy on, don't be shy, girl, take it off, this is what you want to belong, so they like you, so you like you. You don't have to try so hard. You don't have to give it all away You just have to get up, get up, get up, get up You don't have to change a single thing You don't have to try, 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 try You don't have to try, 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 try You don't have to try, 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 try You don't have to try You don't have to try
Don't you like you? Cause I like you 